the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. There should be joy, actually, in the Sabbath, not an onerous burden the way the Pharisees were doing with that. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. Well, today I want us to see something in the Word of God here that was true in Jesus' day, but I think is true in our day as well. And that is the law, the spirit of the law, and the boundless human capacity to ruin the good. Right? Can anybody understand that, relate to that, right? The boundless human capacity to ruin the good. That God gave the law. Why did God give his law to us? Well, that first of all, it was a reflection of his righteousness, his holy and moral character. It also, though, shows us the truth about ourselves and ultimately our need for a savior. But humans being humans, we have an amazing capacity to take something, even that is intended for good, and twist it and ruin it and make it bad, don't we? And so there was the law that was God's will for his people, how we should live, the things we should do, the things we should not do. And he did that, what? That for our good, for our benefit, that we might flourish through obedience to that law. But there were some, though, who would take this something that is good. And by the way, does the law have any ability to save us, though? No, it doesn't. That's why we need a Savior. It shows us that as well. And that's a good thing, too, that it shows us that, right? But people would take that, and they would twist it, and they would forget the spirit of the law or the reasoning behind it, why God said to do this or not do that. And they would make it this rigid external conformity that didn't bring peace and goodness or joy, but actually just resulted in further bondage to it. And that's that human capacity then to ruin the good. And so we saw that on the part of the Pharisees. There is the letter of the law, what God's word says, but then there is also the spirit of the law, which is God's good intent behind the law, But then that boundless human capacity to ruin the good, to take something God intends for good and turn it into a joyless burden. And the Pharisees were masters in this. They were experts in the letter of the law, but sometimes had precious little understanding of the spirit of the law. And they were Olympic gold medalists in taking something good and turning it into an onerous and joyless burden. So we're going to see that today. Fortunately, that all happened long ago in those days. That doesn't happen anymore today, in our day, right? Christians don't do that, do we? We don't take the letter of the law, forget the spirit of the law, and turn it into an onerous, joyless burden. Christians don't do that, right? Or do we sometimes, right? We're continuing then in our series here then today on the life of Christ, his utterly unique life, death, and resurrection. And as we have said, there's a great resource we're using called One Perfect Life by John MacArthur. What he does is he takes the gospel accounts and harmonizes them, puts them together 
into one flowing, continuous, chronological story then. And so we are using that to guide our time through this uh, study here in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So we are moving on then here today, in which we see that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And here is the key thought that I want us to take away from this here today. Is something that Jesus, I didn't make this, these words up, Jesus said them. He said them himself. He said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to see that. That there should be joy, actually, in the Sabbath, not an onerous burden the way the Pharisees were doing with that. Before we look at our text here then, a little context for our text. Here we are now, starting last week, we've seen where we have moved into the second full year of Jesus' earthly ministry. And last time we watched as he healed a lame man on the Sabbath. Dun, dun, dun. There you go, Steve. So get, get with I'm going to point next time. You've got to get, get with me here, all right? He healed on the Sabbath. Thank you, thank you. So he healed the man on the Sabbath, which was trouble to begin with. But then he, I believe, very knowingly and quite deliberately told the man to pick up his bed and walk. And this provoked the ire of the Pharisees because, according to them, it was unlawful for the man to do the work of carrying his bed on the Sabbath. Now, you will note, they were not thrilled that a man who had been lame for 38 years had been healed. No, what were they focused on? He's working. You're doing work. You're violating the Sabbath. Now, were they truly violating the Sabbath law that God had laid down? No, what was he violating? He was violating their own made-up, man-made rules That was what was being violated. So instead of being thrilled for this man being healed, after 38 years, they're saying, you're carrying your bed on the Sabbath. Pathetic, isn't it? Jesus then responded to their complaint by giving them a profoundly deep discourse on his identity as God. And this infuriated the Pharisees all the more and made them want to kill him. Let's talk a little bit about the Pharisees. Well, they were a very influential sect within Judaism. That name Pharisee means separated, or the separate ones. And they put a great, they were quite proud of how separated they were from others, by how well they kept the law, or so they thought. They put a great emphasis on keeping the law, Externally, mind you, not so much in the heart, in the spirit of the law, but externally, through the letter of the law. And they endeavored to follow them all, all 600 plus laws found in the Torah, in the Old Testament, plus a whole list of other man-made laws and traditions, which went above and beyond what God had said in the scriptures. And unfortunately, though, many of them then were quite proud of that, and even hypocritical, because they had precious little understanding of the heart intent of God's law. 
and they were violently opposed to Jesus because he called them out in their hypocrisy. And according to them, he was guilty of blasphemy. Why? Why was Jesus, according to them, guilty of blasphemy? Because he said he was God. He made himself out to be. How can you, being a man, make yourself out to be God? Well, if Jesus was not God, they would be right in charging him with blasphemy on that, wouldn't they? But he was God. So he was not guilty of that sin or any sin, was he? Now, it's true, though, that there were some who were open to Jesus, such as Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And interestingly, the book of Acts tells us that there were a large number of them who came to believe in Jesus after the resurrection. So they weren't all a hopeless cause. Many were, particularly among the leadership, but there were some whose hearts were open to Christ. And amazingly, after the resurrection, many who did come to believe in Jesus then. The Sabbath. The word Sabbath, it comes from a Hebrew word. It means a day of rest. The Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, Saturday, and it was instituted by God as a day of rest. And he lays that pattern down in the creation account in which he ceased from his labor of creating on the seventh day. Now, did God cease from his labor of creating because he was tired? No, God does not get tired, although that's not entirely true, right? Jesus got tired, right? When he, was, when he took on human flesh, he became one of us. As a man, he became physically tired, didn't he? As the, the, the human, the man Jesus, he was subject to that. But God, as the spirit that he is, he does not get weary. So he didn't take a break because he was tired. Brother, what was he doing? He was setting down a pattern for human beings because he knew human beings would get tired and would need a day of rest from their labors. How many of you think that is a good idea? Rather than working seven days a week, you have that one day off. Actually, now we have like two days off or more sometimes, don't we, in our, in our time. But in those days, can you imagine if you had... Actually, some of you don't have to imagine... Some of you struggle with this. You know what it is to work seven days a week, right? Can you imagine then if that's how it was, where every day was a day of work, a day of labor? And so God instituted a Sabbath, a rest, a break from their labors. And so the Sabbath was set aside as this day of rest for people. It was intended then for our good and for human flourishing. But, Along come the Pharisees, and as we said before then, we should never underestimate the human capacity to take something intended for our good and to twist it into something bad. And that is exactly what the Pharisees did with the Sabbath. They took God's good gift, and they turned it into a series of onerous laws and regulations about exactly what one could or could not do on the Sabbath. See, they thought, what, we're, we're upholding the law of 
not working, not laboring, resting. And so they had a whole series of laws of what, what constituted, including how far you could walk, how much weight you could carry, all kinds of things. Incidentally, this spirit, sadly, has carried over then, even today, among some Jews in modern-day Israel. Well, you will see this. One of the things I was a little surprised to discover uh, when I was in Israel and our first Sabbath there in Israel, I discovered something they have, that, that, that there are certain accommodations that have been made for certain groups of Jewish people in Israel there to accommodate their convictions about Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath. One of those things I discovered is something called the Shabbat elevator or Sabbath elevators. Did you know that when you go to Israel, if you are in a hotel uh, on the Sabbath, on a Saturday, they're actually starting Friday night until sundown on Saturday, uh, be careful which elevator you get into because they will designate an elevator that's called the Shabbat elevator, and that just goes up one floor at a time all the way up to the top and then comes down one floor at a time all the way to the bottom, up and down. It constantly does that. Why? Because there are some Jews who believe that as part of their Sabbath traditions is not to operate electronic items on the Sabbath. Why? I don't know. You see, so if you get in an elevator, what do you have to do? You have to push a button. And so pushing the button, that's violating their rules about keeping the Sabbath. So, well, if you live on one floor, that's okay. But what if you're on a 10th floor of something or you're staying in a hotel? They get a little weary taking those steps up all the time. So what do you do? You step into the Shabbat elevator and it takes you up. It all works automatically then. It takes you a little longer, but at least you're not violating the Sabbath. And so that actually became a popular refrain when we were there, is someone, one of our group then, would unwittingly walk into the elevator and say, Shabbat, you know, oh, and then they get off and that, because you don't want to wait for that, right? Right? You want to get in the elevator where you can push the button and go right up to your floor then. So this spirit is still there to this day. So with that in mind, let's read here again of Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees on a Sabbath. We're told here, Now it happened at that time, on the second Sabbath, after the first, that Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain and to eat them, rubbing them in their hands. Thank you. (laughs) And when some of the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, why are your disciples doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never even read this? What David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those who were with him, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, nor for any but the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you, 
In this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So we see a controversy here. It happened to be a Sabbath. The disciples, they're going through a field, and they are hungry. Now, you have to know, it was permissible. There was a provision in the law. They weren't stealing from someone else's. But it was permissible on the outer edges of, of fields there that for travelers, that that was part of the law. That was a provision for weary travel. Again, you didn't have, uh, unfortunately, we have too many McDonald's in this country, don't we? Don't let McDonald's hear I said that, by the way. But uh, anyway, that when you're traveling somewhere, there's, there's a whole host of places that you can stop, right? Well, you didn't have all of those in those days. As you would travel and you were hungry, what would you do? You had to make do with whatever there was or what you could find, right? And so that was part of the provision of the law, is you were allowed to pick from fields of grain to satisfy your hunger. And so they were doing what was entirely permissible to do that. So that wasn't the problem. That wasn't what got them in trouble. What got them in trouble? Well, it was the Sabbath, and they were picking the heads of the grain, and they were, uh uh-oh, you ready for this? Rubbing them between their hands. (laughs) Meaning what? Labor. They were doing the work of harvesting. So the Pharisees would rather them go hungry than do the work of harvesting on the Sabbath. But Jesus then, so they make an issue of that, complaining about that, fussing about that. But Jesus corrects them. And I love what Jesus says here to them. He says, have you never even read this? When Jesus says sometimes with the Pharisees, they're making an issue of something, and he says, have you not read? Now, have, have the Pharisees read that in the Scriptures? Thousands. Of course they had, thousands of times, right? But just because they had read it, they hadn't read it, right? It hadn't gotten into their heads. They didn't understand it in here. It's like I've said before, we have a variation of that we like in this church, right? Where sometimes where people will say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, to which we say what? Have you read the scriptures, right? So it says, have you never read, have you read the scriptures, Pharisees? It gives an example of David and his men. One time when they were hungry, how they did something that was against the law. And actually, in their case, what David and his men did technically was against the law. You see, that in the, in, the, in the place of God, in the tabernacle, there was bread that was intended for the priests, that was for them. But they go in and they have the bread because they were hungry. So in this case, what? It was necessary in order to meet human need. 
Was God more interested in only the priest can eat that bread, don't you dare touch, or the spirit of the law, which is what? Yes, that is intended for the priests, but in this instance, you have human need that that's what's more important in this instance. Have you not read that? Or how about this one? Have you not read how the priests in the temple, they profane the Sabbath? How? Because who's working on the Sabbath in the temple? What are they doing? They are working, right? That's their job. And they are working in the temple on the Sabbath. But they're not guilty. Why? Because that's their job. That's the, that's the role that God has given them. They're not guilty of violating the Sabbath. By the way, uh, there, are, there are some folks that, that, that seem to think pastors work one day a week, right? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, there you go. You want to make a pastor laugh? Ask them, what do you do the other six days of the week when you're not working? Right. Even on your day off, right, exactly. So, which by the way, pastors need to do a better job. I'm not talking about any in this room, of course, but some need to do a better job of uh, taking breaks sometimes, don't they, right? So, uh, so here they are, yeah, they're, they're, they're violating the Sabbath by working, but, but they're not guilty, are they? No. And then Jesus says something that I'm sure they really didn't appreciate. I'm sure they were already insulted when he says, what, have you not read? But then he goes on to say, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. Now we might kind of scratch our heads a little bit that, what is Jesus saying? He's asserting his authority. In fact, he's going to assert his authority very clearly in just a moment. He's saying, you know, that they had great reverence for the temple because what? It was the the dwelling place of God with his people on the earth. And Jesus says, you know, right here in your midst, there's someone who's greater than what you, you revere the temple, but there's someone here who's greater than the temple. Who? Jesus, he's God. God is standing in, I am God, and I am standing in your midst. You revere the temple, but you don't revere me. Jesus never claimed to be God. Have you read the scriptures, right? There's one of countless examples right there. And then I love this. If you knew what this means, meaning what they didn't, he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Now there he's quoting an Old Testament scripture there where he says he was, God was, was angry with his people who were very faithfully offering sacrifices. But he says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want mercy. In other words, what? I don't want your external conformity to the letter of the law. I want your heart understanding and conformity to the spirit of the law that yeah, oh yeah, you're, you're going about offering your sacrifices the way you've been commanded to do, but meanwhile what? Your hearts are far from God. 
So I don't care. I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your external obedience to that. I want your heart. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Go and learn what this means. How do you think they, uh, they like being told that? Then he says what? The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. God instituted the Sabbath for the benefit and the good of human beings. But they had taken something good and they twisted it and made it what? Into something, another burden to carry. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for our good. It's not a burden. And if he wasn't already in enough trouble with him for what he has said, then he says what? Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Ouch. You know what he's saying? First of all, he's saying the Son of Man, he's the Messiah. He's from heaven. And he's, he's the one who determined, he's the one who gave the Sabbath and is the one who determines what is and is not a violation of the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I'm the creator. I'm the one who rested on the seventh day. I'm the one who gave you that law to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I'm the one who determines what is or isn't a violation of that. Not you. So again, we read that and we say, oh, Jesus said he's Lord of the Sabbath. And re- but the Pharisees hear that. What do they hear? And they correctly hear what? I'm God. I rested. I told you to rest. And I know what is and isn't a violation. So take off, eh, in honor of our Canadians here <laughs> and our Canadian truckers, right? Take off, eh? Sometimes I think I need to keep a lid on these lips a little better than I do. You know, <laughs> thoughts that come to mind, you know? Yeah. Whew. Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the creator. I'm the lawgiver. I instituted it. I know what it is and isn't. You don't. So take off, eh? All right? How do you think they, uh, they like that? Hmm. Well, we're not done yet. Now, it happened when he had departed from there on another Sabbath, he went into their synagogue again and taught. And behold, a man was there whose right hand was withered. And so the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Dun, dun, dun that they might find an accusation against him. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? (laughs) That they might accuse him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise, step forward and stand here. And he arose and stood. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath 
to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they kept silent. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And when he had looked around at them all with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And then the Pharisees were what? Filled with rage. And they went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus, how they might destroy him. So here it is. It's another Sabbath day. Jesus is in the synagogue teaching. There's a man there with a, his right hand was withered. And you see the scribes and the Pharisees, you can see them watching him closely like, ooh, we're going to get him. Let's watch him. It's pathetic, isn't it? And so they ask him, oh, Jesus, uh, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Well, according to the Pharisees, it wasn't. Why? Well, that takes energy. You're expelling energy. That's work. Healing on the Sabbath is work. And you can't work on the Sabbath. They were looking to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. Why? Because he's God. So he tells the man to arise and step forward, stand there. So he says, well, let me ask you a question. They, you asked me a question, let me ask you a question. What do you think? Is it, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil, to save life or to kill? In other words, what? So you're, you're saying it's, it's unlawful to do good or to save life? Uh, is that wrong on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. Because they knew, uh-oh, we're going to end up saying something that's going to get us trapped here. And so he gives a little example. What man is there among you who has one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Well, that's work, lifting that sheep up out of the pit. But you would do it, wouldn't you? <clears throat> Why? To save the life of that sheep. Well, how much more valuable then is a person than a sheep? So therefore, the Lord of the Sabbath says, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. But then interestingly, we see some righteous anger. Anger is not in and of itself sinful, is it? God gets angry. In fact, I think there's, there's something wrong with us if we see something, a horrible injustice or wrong, and people being abused and hurt, there's something wrong with us if, we, if it doesn't inspire a righteous anger in us, right? So Jesus then sees, here's this man, and they're more concerned about what day of the week it is than expending effort to heal and do that good. So he looks around at them and he knows their hearts. 
and he's angry. He's grieving. Now again, remember, they're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the people, aren't they? And this was the attitude of the spiritual leaders of the people. They were supposed to be properly interpreting me, explaining and applying God's law to the people for their good. And yet, what had they done to it? And he's angry. They were angry that he would do the good of healing this man because of what day of the week it was. So Jesus looks around at them, and then he tells the man to stretch his hand out, and he heals him. And of course, the Pharisees are all thrilled that this poor man was healed, right? No. Not only were they not thrilled, they were filled with what? Rage. What does that tell you about the condition of their hearts? And so what do they do? They immediately go out and start plotting with the Herodians. The Herodians were another political party. But by the way, these were like their political enemies, if you will. But they had a common enemy, the Pharisees and the Herodians. You might see this, it'd be like uh, someone that is so angry that, that even Democrats and Republicans are working together to get rid of this guy, right? That's what they were doing. The Pharisees and the Herodians, and the Sadducees too. So you had Democrats, Republicans, and Libertarian Independents <laughs> all working together because they equally hated Jesus. Why? Because they were equally sinful, that's why, and equally ignorant, by the way, are Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians equally sinful? Yes. Yeah. But we're not going down that road today here. Right? <laughs> so what? Okay, there was something I was going to say, but I'm not going to say that. Remember I said I need to put that? I'm putting that on there. Thank you. But I, I'm sealing my lips. Thank you. So what? The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You know what? As, as New Covenant, New Testament followers of Jesus, it is true that we are not under the same, all of the same obligations and laws that the people of Israel were. Right? It is true. And one of those is this keeping the Sabbath, which they would do on the seventh day on Saturday. But that said, is there not a principle or a spirit of the law, if you will, that you think we, that we would be wise to heed? Absolutely. But what have some New Covenant era Christians done? Some of us have kind of done the same thing, haven't we? We're, instead of Saturday, it's now Sunday. We, you know, like Sunday's the, the Sabbath. And so we have all kinds of rules about what you can and can't do on a Sunday. And some of those might be very good things to consider or to do or not do, right? But the problem is what? When it becomes about an external conformity and not something that's coming from within, from the heart. So in the spirit of the law, we might ask, what does observing the Sabbath look like in our day? 
So I would say, you know what? Different folks have different convictions about these, these things. And you know what? That's okay. Let's not judge one another about these. Scripture tells us that we might have different convictions about something. And let's not judge or condemn one another over these things. That said, though, is there not a spirit of honoring the Sabbath that we would be wise to heed today? Yes, for our good, because the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So there are different folks with different convictions about what they think is appropriate on a Sunday. And that's okay. Is it true that some of us, too, have jobs that may require us to work on Sundays? Yeah. But whatever our convictions or our work situation, I think we would all do well to honor that principle of guarding a regular day of rest and being sure, then, that we are faithfully meeting with God's people for corporate worship. Okay, I'm going to say something I debated about what I'm going to say, but you see, your pastor's a brave man, if I do say so myself, all right? And so humble, too. That's right. But I've said it before, kind of in a roundabout way, I'm going to to say, okay, if some of you need to get up and leave, I understand, okay? I'm going to tell you something I've been annoyed with for a long time. And I don't say this in a pharisaical, legalistic kind of way, okay? You ready? Now, I know COVID kind of put the kibosh on some of this, but here goes. These children's sports stuff on Sundays. Out of control, people. Out of control. That's one thing you want, you know, to have kids involved in sports and that, and Saturday, Saturday, whatever. When did it all of a sudden become the thing to do it on Sundays now, too? And traveling all over the place doing this. I'm not going to judge you. Okay, maybe I will a little bit. (laughs) Kids should not be playing soccer on Sunday. They should be in church with their parents. Okay, who thinks I said a terrible thing? How dare you? Such a, you Pharisee. No, well, there you go. Okay, if I'm a Pharisee on that, fine. Being here with God's people is more important than playing sports on Sunday, I think. So I don't say that or anything in a pharisaical, legalistic sense, but rather, what, is because it is for our own good, physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and relationally, in every way, because the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So I'm going to conclude then by just asking this question. Do you keep the spirit of the Sabbath with gratitude to the God who gave it for your good? I'm not going to give you a list, except for kids playing sports on Sunday. I'm not going to give you a list of everything you can and can't do on Sunday. You figure that out in your own hearts. But here's what I think it is important. Honoring the principle of rest, 
reverence, refreshment for the soul and the body and the mind. Keeping the spirit of the Sabbath what with gratitude to the God who gave it for your good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that, that you are a gracious and compassionate God, that you ceased from your labor on the seventh day, not because you were tired, but because you knew that we would be. And so you instituted that day as a day of rest for our good. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would guide and direct our hearts in this matter to show us what this looks like in our day, in our context here, to honor that rest, that day of rest, that day of a special worship with God's people. Lord, we worship you every day, but there's something special about coming together as God's people. Help us, Lord, to honor that, not for outward external conformity, but because it's for our good and for the good of one another. Show us what that looks like, I pray. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.